Calvary Christian Fellowship is a growing vibrant church located in the New York City borough of the Bronx. CCF is dedicated to presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ through dynamic preaching, well-balanced teaching and discipleship, and vibrant worship and praise. It is our intention to raise up qualified leaders and ministry teams who will effectively impact their generation for Christ. Visit our website at www.calvaryny.org. Now stay tuned for today's message. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand. Get out your Bibles. We're going to read from two areas today. We're going to read from Luke chapter 23, verses 33 and 34. Then we're going to jump down uh, to Matthew chapter 28. We'll read verses 1 through 8. We'll start with Luke chapter 23, verses 33 and 34. Everybody has it? You can say amen. Amen. All right. Luke chapter 23, verses 33 and 34. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Finally, they came to a place called the Skull. All three were crucified there, Jesus on the center cross, and the two criminals on either side. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. So there was an emphasis there on forgiveness. Right at the place where Jesus had suffered all that torment, right at the place where Jesus is culminating his earthly ministry. It's interesting because we all have journeys, we all have careers, whether it be a CEO, whether it be a director or something, whether it be a mother that raises her children and finishes the career. But what do you say at the end of your career? Is it a positive thing? Is it a negative thing? Um, Do you get your gold watch at the end of the 30 years and then they kick you out? Do they just replace you because you're no longer expedient? Well, here we was, Jesus at the end of his earthly ministry. And what is his emphasis? Forgiveness and love. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And then the other emphasis We read it in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 8. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began, it began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him. So the guards actually saw him. And the Bible says they feared and they shook for fear of him. And they became like dead men. I don't know if you've ever been at a place of extreme panic. Some will run. Others will just stand in place. Others will fall. Well, these guys, they became like dead men because it was such an ominous sight. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. These ladies saw an awesome vision, but praise God, the word. Do not be afraid. And today, that's what the Lord tells you. 
You see the events around the world. See situations around your family. See situations at work. But the Lord says to you this day, do not be afraid. Or the original rendering, having already begun to be afraid, stop. And don't allow that to take its full course. Don't allow it to enter your heart. And he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to bring his disciples' word. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you, Father, that you reveal to us your truths. Even before they happen, your word shares your truths with us. So today, Lord God, even though we might have the beginnings of fear because of any situation or circumstance around us, but we thank you for your word because your word comforts us. Your word reminds us that you love us and that you're in control. And we thank you, Father, for this great event today as we celebrate, even worldwide, we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We give you the glory, Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Praise God. You may be seated in God's presence. Father, forgive them. See, the Lord created us. We didn't create ourselves. There are some atmospheres that are normal to us. Other atmospheres are not normal to us. There are some atmospheres where we thrive. Other atmospheres where we can't handle. One of them happens to be guilt. If you carry guilt around, it'll make you sick. If you carry guilt around, it'll mess you up. It'll mess up the way you think. It'll mess up your peace. And we were not called or made or created to carry guilt. It creates pressure, fear in our lives. Oh my God, what if this happens? What if that happens? And there are many people that you know even today that are walking around with that level of guilt. Maybe some of you might be walking around with that level of guilt today. And we fear that we'll be rejected by others. We fear we'll be found out by others. We fear many times that there'll be retaliation from God himself. Some of us are afraid of God. Oh my God, I've messed up. What is he going to do to me? Any little thing that happens, that must be God punishing me. Amen? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so we're burdened. But God has good news for you today. You don't need to carry it any longer. You could release it today. Today's your day to release any guilt. Today's your day to release any of that fear. Today's your day to recognize that God's not against you. He is for you. What do we usually do with that level of emotion, that level of guilt? Well, many times we actually bury it, or at least we attempt to. But in Psalms 33, we see the way David dealt with guilt. Psalms 30, or rather, Psalms 32, I'm sorry, verses 3 to 5. Look what it says. And this is David himself. He said, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Interlude, finally, I confessed all my sins to you. Finally. See, he carried it for a long time. But when he finally confessed all his sins, it says, I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. And what did God do? He forgave me. And now all my my guilt is gone. 
In Proverbs 28, 13, it says, People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn away from them, they will receive mercy. So the first thing we need to do is realize that many times the way we handle our stuff is wrong. See, God is not a father that's waiting to beat us up. He's a father that's waiting to restore us, to love us. Amen? Amen? When you are a father and mother that have their calling correct, even when you correct children, it's because of love. You don't want to hurt them. You don't want to abuse them. You want to bless them. You want to make sure they're well-trained, they're well-prepared, they're well-fed, right? Isn't that true? But we're imperfect parents. God is the perfect parent. And what does he say? If you come to me with a mistake you make, I'll work with you. I'll heal you. I'll forgive you. Right? I love that about my heavenly father. So when I mess up, you know what I do? I don't try to conceal it anymore. Because first and foremost, you can't conceal it anyway. What do you think? You're hiding it from God? You think God went on vacation? No, I'm sorry. We could hide stuff from parents, although in due deference to parents, especially you ladies, you mothers out there, you have a sixth sense about your children. And when your children are doing the stuff they think they're getting away, you already have that, you know, it's that spidey sense. You know, oh, something's going on here. God's showing me something, and you, when the kid comes home, he says, what were you doing? Isn't that true? And then you have that other piece of magic. I still don't know how it operates, but if your kid is doing something in the other room, you'll take your chancleta off of your foot, and you'll throw it this way, it'll make a 90 degree left turn, hit them right upside their head. Because you're wired with the love of God. Sometimes we minimize our guilt. What we try to do is hide it. We rationalize our guilt many times. That's not, God, God doesn't care. Yes, he does. Because it's messing with you. It's affecting you. Your guilt is affecting you. That's all right. I'm used to it. Are you aware that people that get used to chronic stress are still getting sick? They just, they've just got used to that level of tension, but they don't realize their body is wasting away, even as David said, little by little by little, until one day, bam, comes that big sickness upon them. What? I'm doing well. I, I eat right. Yeah, but you were stressed all the time, or you were guilty all the time, or whatever it may be. We have to learn to rest in the Lord. That's the word of the Lord for somebody here today. Rest in the Lord. You've been fighting a battle. You've been going to extremes, doing it in your own strength. And God says to you you today, don't worry, I've got your back. Rest in me because I'm about ready to do a miracle in your life. Hallelujah. Don't let your past continue to haunt you. Don't let it. Even though that we know we have guilt, we have forgiveness today. The other thing is many times we just blame others. You know the blame shifters? They're never wrong about anything. I thank God that none of you are that. It's that church down the road. All the blame shifters went to that church today. But you all respect, you know, you, 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 you accept responsibility for all of your actions. Look what Genesis 3.12 says. The man replied, it was the woman you gave me. And I ate it when she gave me the fruit. See, Adam didn't accept responsibility. Therefore, he's infamous. Jesus, on the other hand, accepted responsibility for his creation, for all of us, and his name is great above all names. In one garden, a man refused to accept responsibility. In another garden, a man accepted responsibility. 
In, the, in, in that Garden of Eden, Adam rejected responsibility. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, Father, not as I will, but as you will. I accept responsibility. And he went straight to that cross for you and for me. In Proverbs 19.3, it says, People ruin their lives by their own foolishness and when they are angry at the Lord. So we're the ones that ruin our lives. We're the ones that mess it up. So we should take responsibility for that and go before God. Says God, I messed up. I blew it. But what do we do? We blame others many times. Then the third thing is many times we beat ourselves up. Uh, do you know somebody like that? They feel guilty. They beat themselves up. You know, oh, man, I, man, I'm always messing up. I'm no good. Man, I'm always messing up. Always falling short. That's dangerous. It's a dangerous place to be. David revealed in Psalms 38 what his guilt produced. It says, my guilt overwhelms me. Psalms 38, verses 4 through 6. My guilt overwhelms me. It's a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. I am bent over and racked with pain. All day long, I walk around with grief. Wow. Some people are like that. They beat themselves up. A guilty conscience, unfortunately, never knows when to stop. Oh, my God. But look at Psalms 51. This is how the Lord deals with us. And David had a revelation of the Lord Jesus. He had a revelation of God's love. Look at Psalms 51. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2, verses 10 and 12 and 17. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast from me your, your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. And that was a revelation. And David understood when he went before God, God would cleanse him. God would forgive him. God would restore him. And one of the things we need today is a restoration of his peace. We need peace. We need the peace of God. I see some of you during the week. During the week, you're, oh my God, oh, again? Oh. And of course, we let out a couple of you-know-whats, a couple of footners during the week. That's my version of a curse word. Because things get so, ugh, sometimes. Anybody here? Or am I exaggerating? No, life is tough. Life is hard. But we need His peace. What does Jesus want us to do with these emotions? What does He want to do with this, us to do with this overwhelming, overarching uh, burdens? Well, first and foremost, He wants us to admit it. Stop hiding it. You know why? He, know how, he knows how He created you. And when you keep something in your heart, it messes you up. When you confess it and let it go, it heals you. But today we're afraid because we're afraid of people. Because you say something to a person and they immediately go into telephone ministry. You know what telephone ministry is, right? You tell something in secret to somebody and they immediately go to their friend on the phone and say, You know, don't say nothing to nobody. I just want to tell you so you could pray. Yeah, right. They're going to pray, all right? They're going to pray all over New York. They're going to get on TV, they're going to get on Facebook. Internet, they're going to Twitter it. By the time you know, you're very famous. 
or infamous, as it were. We know on TV, some of the greatest scandals come because of one person that betrayed another person. But we have to admit it. To who? To God. Because he's faithful. We have best friends here, but even the best friends fail to reach that level of faithfulness that we need. People don't understand us completely, but God understands us completely. In Lamentations 3, verse 40 and 41, it says, Let us search out and examine our ways and turn back to the Lord. Let us lift our hearts and hands to God in heaven. So what is God saying? Examine yourself. Be real with your stuff. Stop allowing uh, a foolishness to control your mind. What do I mean by that? When you know you're wrong and you're trying to find ways to justify, that's foolishness. Because it's not going to settle the matter. So be real with Almighty God. When I mess it up, I know God knows. So I go before God right away. I say, Lord, forgive me. Help me with this. I need help with this. Right? That's the best way to do it. What are a couple of things right now? Right now that you could deal with. Right now that you're saying, you know, I need to deal with this. And it has to be right now. I'm going to stop making excuses. I'm going to deal with it right now. So right there, you already have one or two things that you could deal with today in the presence of God. As we consider this Resurrection Day. Resurrection Day symbolizes to the Christian newness. Newness of life. Newness of opportunity. A life where God is saying, I I give you life and life in abundance. An abundance of it. I want you to live with joy. I want you to live with peace. I want you to know that I took care of your sin. I took care of your failures. I took care of your past. And now I want you to live a life the way I intended man to live it. And I want to walk with you in that journey also. So I want you to come out of this place this afternoon celebrating that God loves you, that he is with you, and he wants you to celebrate life and walk with him in victory, in peace, and in joy. The second thing is to accept responsibility. In Psalms 51, verses 2 and 3, it says, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgressions. And my sin is always before me. So see, David acknowledged when he messed up. And he'd go before the Lord. One thing about David is he was very quick to repent. Why? Because he knew God. God said, that's a man after my own heart. Was David perfect? Uh Uh-uh. He murdered. Right? He was a warrior. He killed many people. He threw tantrums. He got angry many times. Committed adultery. So was he a perfect person? No. One time, this uh, evangelist, um, he was crying before God, and he said this. He said, God, I want you to make me like Moses. He's crying his eyes out. Oh, God, make me like Moses. And then the Spirit of the Lord spoke to him. He says, you want to be like Moses? Yes, make me like Moses. Moses was a murderer. Moses ran away from his responsibilities. I almost killed his children because of the way he, he behaved one time. Moses was not perfect. Then he said, okay, Lord, then make me like David. (laughs) David was a murderer too. He committed adultery. (laughs) Oh, God, so make me like Paul. And he went on and on. And God continued to highlight all the errors and the failures and the shortcomings of each and every man of God. Finally, he says, okay, God, make me like Jesus. (laughs) He finally got the point. 
It's not the men that were ever great. It was our God that's great and works with us and loves us in spite of our frailties, in spite of our shortcomings, in spite of our limitations. Hallelujah. In James 5.16, it says, Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So confession is very powerful. I do realize that on earth there are still men and women that we can pray with. You can pretty much count them on one hand. But they're there. But that comes after a lot of relationship. We have to be very careful in all of our relationships. But the first one is Almighty God. Praise God. And number three, ask for forgiveness. The Bible says ask. 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 And you shall receive. This is a truth in scripture. It's a powerful scripture. We don't ask enough. When you look at millionaires, for example, they ask all the time. That's why they're rich. Many times the poor folk don't ask because we're too prideful. Oh, we're going to ask. They ask all the time. An example. Right now, how many of you... Don't raise your hands, please. Some of you eat at McDonald's. It's okay. I mean, it's not my business, wherever you eat. But are you aware that McDonald's doesn't make the greatest burgers? Yet the places are packed. You know why? They're always asking. Come, eat with us. Come, eat over here. You deserve a break. Exactly. We know it. You know why? They sink it into our heads. They're asking when we get in the train. You see the sign there. When we get on the bus, you see the sign there. When you turn on 1010 WIS, channel 9, channel 7, in the morning and night, they're asking, asking, asking. So after a while, they receive. Ask and you shall receive. So the Bible says, ask, but it says, ask for forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And Romans 3, 23, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. See, so even though we mess up, if we ask him for forgiveness, he lavishes forgiveness upon us. And one thing about God, he's not like us humans. We have this very famous saying, Te perdono, pero no me olvido. I forgive you, but I do not forget. Uh, You're laughing because maybe, you know, you've done that yourself, right? It's true, it's hard to forget stuff. Because, you know, it overwhelms us many times. But the truth of the matter is, when God forgives, he also releases it. He throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. He chooses to forget it. He blots it from the record. It's almost like a legal term. He expunges the actual problem or sin or what an infraction, as it were. Isn't that awesome? So when the devil comes to accuse you, yeah, you did this and this and that, God said, I don't remember that. I I choose not to remember that. I see Jesus in my son. I see Jesus in my daughter. And according according to me, Jesus is perfect. So I see him and her perfect in my presence. Totally forgiven. Totally cleansed. Hallelujah. Amen. If what we believe, this is very important because what we believe influences our ability to ask and accept God's forgiveness. And many of us don't believe that we have the right to accept God's forgiveness. And that's totally and absolutely wrong. 
Because when he was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't understand what they're doing. But another thing he said is, it is finished. It's a complete work. So all sin on the cross was forgiven. Have you committed a sin? Guess what? There's forgiveness for that. You know, I gotta say, there's an app for that. <laughs> well, there's forgiveness for that. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. So what we need to do is we need to understand that sin is not our friend. Sin is just missing the mark. That's what that means. We miss the mark. We don't walk um, the way we were created by Almighty God. We go on tangents that are not beneficial to us. So a good exercise for us to do is sit quietly, maybe in the living room, maybe in, the, uh, maybe in your bedroom, maybe as you walk. I like to do walk praying or, or prayer walking. And I'll think and I'll meditate. Lord, where, do I, where did I blow it today? What did I do? Maybe something I don't even get. Uh, you know, because many times we're insular. We're like those racehorses. We can't see what we did here, what we did here many times. So you ask the Holy Spirit, show me what I did. Show me where I blew it. Show me where I fell short. And you know what? The Holy Spirit will lovingly show you. And then he'll give you the strength to be able to overcome that. And to let that go. And to say, you know, that was yesterday. It's no longer today. Everyone who is in Christ is a brand new creation. All things are new. The old is passed away. Praise God. And then the next thing, which is very, very important. Say to your neighbor, this one's very, very important. Forgive others as you forgive. Matthew 6, 14 and 15, it says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Whoa. That almost seems unfair. I'm not God. I'm not as strong as God. I can't forgive people. Yes, you can. In the power of the Holy Spirit, you can forgive others. Now, let me preface that by saying, sometimes you need to forgive a person that even doesn't care. A person that has not asked for forgiveness, sometimes you need to release yourself from a situation so you don't carry the burden of of the anguish that they've caused you. Sometimes you need to just forgive and keep walking. Some people you need to forgive and don't hang out with anymore because they don't have their act together and they're going to drag you down again. So some people you need to know how to walk away from in the love of God. In Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35, there's a parable there. It's the parable of the unforgiving servant. There was this one servant that went before his Lord and says, Lord, uh, forgive me. Uh, And I don't know, he owed maybe $200 or $300. And so he said, forgive me, I can't pay at this moment. I know I deserve prison, but forgive me. And you know, his Lord went to him and says, I appreciate you. I appreciate your request. You're forgiven. You can leave. So he went out. He was joyful. He received forgiveness, right? Then he went around. I'm sorry. Let Let me bring that back a second. It wasn't $200 that he owed. It was somewhere in the millions. It was a huge debt. It was a debt that he couldn't pay. Something like what the United States owes right now. (laughs) A big debt. A huge insurmountable debt. But that Lord loved him enough and appreciated him to release him of that debt. But that same guy went around looking looking for one of his co-laborers, co-workers, or somebody who worked for him who owed him about $200 and said to him, you owe me money. Where's my money? The guy did the same exact thing. He got on his knees and says, forgive me. I can't pay at this moment. 
He had a family, he had children. And he says, but give me some time, I will pay you back. He says, no, pay me now or I'll put you in prison. And the friends were looking at him. They were saying, wasn't that the guy that just got forgiven the two plus million? But this guy was merciless. He was unforgiving. You know what what he did? In his unforgiveness, he took that man and put him in prison. Now, my point is if you're in prison, how are you going to pay the bill? If you can't walk, how are you going to pay it? See, it becomes a self-defeating cycle. It's a vicious cycle that doesn't allow you to be set free. So this guy went to prison. Now, the friends that were looking at the one that was forgiven went right back to the Lord and said, Listen, that guy that you forgave over two million bucks, he's not responding the way you responded. What do you mean? He says, well, one of his co-workers who owed him like about 200 bucks, put him in prison and refused to forgive him. He says, what? That Lord got very angry at him. Very angry. Called him back. What happened? What happened? He says, didn't I forgive you? He says, yeah, you forgive me. How come you didn't forgive the person working for you? I gave you this much forgiveness, and you couldn't give this much forgiveness? He says, effective, immediately I rescind my forgiveness. And now I'm throwing you in the calaboose. I'm throwing you in prison, and now I'm going to release the tormentors until you pay all that you owe. That was a parable that Jesus shared to share the power, negative power, of unforgiveness. Because here's the principle, okay? The principle. When you do not forgive those who sin against you or have a debt against you, right? People that deserve, you know, some, some of that anger, right? When you don't forgive them, in essence, that pain, that anguish remains in you. And it continues to torment you over and over and over again. In one of my trips, as I was translating for one of the missionaries, international missionaries and evangelists, I ran into a scenario. and It blew me away. It's about two, uh, one very uh, elderly gentleman, maybe in the 70s, and he was very angry, and he had a lot of grief, and he had no peace. So he goes to the prayer line, and he says, he says, oh, I, I'm, I'm so angry, and, and I can't let go of this anger. He said, well, what happened? Well, years ago, a friend of mine offended me, and, and, and I just can't get over because he hurt me really bad. He says, wow. And as we're speaking to him, you could see the agony in his face. You could see the pain in his face. You could see him contort as he, as he talks uh, to the evangelist. And you know, the, the evangelist asked him the question, how long was this? 50 years ago. You see, so this does not have a time limit. Unforgiveness in you will continue over and over and over again to torment you, to give you a miserable life, to take your peace away. That's why we must forgive. Because forgiveness is an atmosphere. Forgiveness is an attitude. Forgiveness is an environment. Forgiveness is a choice that I make Because I understand by revelation that it is a type of spiritual and emotional cancer that will eat at your very bones. So since I understand that by revelation, even though that person doesn't deserve it, and we by nature, we love eye for an eye. We love it. If somebody wrongs us, you're going to feel that pain too. Isn't that true? That's, That's how we naturally respond. But Jesus said, instead of an eye for an eye, forgive even your enemy. Those who transgress against them, love them. Oh, oh. I need some power for that. 
Yes, we have power. We have the power of the Holy Spirit to help us. So, Matthew 18.35, My heavenly Father will also do this to you, to each of you, from his heart. If from his heart you do not forgive your brother his trespasses. So we have to be very careful with that. Not because they deserve it, but because we need it. Because our environment that we prosper in is, a process, is an environment of peace, of forgiveness, of love. That's where we prosper the most. So we need to, by revelation, create that continual atmosphere and environment around us. Say to your neighbor, it's time to change the atmosphere. Amen. What does Jesus do with my guilt? What does he do with my sin? Well, because we are human, forgiveness happens to be our greatest need. Forgiveness is our greatest need. Christ died for us means that forgiveness is our greatest gift. See, it's God's greatest gift for us. It's the greatest need, and God gives it to us as the greatest gift, his love and his forgiveness. So the first thing he does is he forgives instantly. Humans don't forgive instantly. We forgive whenever we're ready. I want you to feel my pain for a couple of weeks. So let's, let's revisit this conversation two weeks from now. Because right now, I'm not in the mood to talk about this. Because you sort of don't deserve this right now. And I want you to feel my pain for about two to three weeks. Anybody here has ever had that conversation? Well, as human beings, I understand that point, especially us guys. With us guys, if we're upset, we like to take a walk. We like to fight or flight. We like to fight right away or flight right away. So if, if we have an argument or fight for you ladies, you have to let us walk away for at least 24 hours. Yeah, yeah, because some of you ladies want to deal with it right now, right now. This ain't going anywhere until we finish it right, 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 right now. <laughs> and we're saying, I don't want to talk about this now. Get over here! Get back over here! You're not leaving me! No, you have to give us a break. You have to give us about 24 hours, maybe 48 hours, so we can process it. And then we go before God. <laughs> this woman. And after a while, well, we were both guilty. After a while, he says, Dang, I blew it, man. So we'll come back and say, all right, fine, I blew it. And then, of course, she'll enjoy that moment and let us have it for about half an hour, right? Yeah, sometimes forgiveness does take a little time. I understand that. But God, he doesn't hold, he doesn't have that problem. He forgives instantly. In Isaiah 55, 7, it says, God is merciful and quick to forgive. He does not make us wait or suffer like others do. I so appreciate that there's nobody like that here in this church right now. We are all quick to forgive. We're amazing when somebody offends us and they say, I'm sorry, we go, no problem. Hey, under the blood. It's all under the blood, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> in Colossians 2.13, it says, And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, 
He forgave you all, all of your trespasses, having wiped out all the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So the second thing is, not only does he forgive instantly, but he also forgives completely. Oh, awesome. I'm so blessed by that. Because many times we'll forgive this, but we won't forgive that. But God forgives this, and he forgives that. And then the third thing is he forgives repeatedly. Because in our lives, we trespass many times. But it's, it's, it's our growth in the Lord. You know, you first come to Christ. God doesn't expect you to be a mature Christian when you first come to God through Christ. It's like when we have a child, uh, when, we, when we're enjoying that all over again in our grandchildren because we have a three-year-old, but we also have a one-month-plus-old as grandchildren, right? So the three-year-old now is running around, is having a great time, he talks, so we could talk to him differently. We have different expectations from him than we do from the one-month-old. The one-month-old, his job is right now to eat, sleep, and poop. That's it. And when we see the poop, we say, good job. (laughs) Right? When he drinks three ounces of milk instead of two ounces, wow, great job. We're proud of you. That's his assignment. But now that the one at three years old, he's already walking. He's already, you know, asking for all types of foods. uh, Now getting picky. They get picky very young nowadays. Right? But our one-month-old, we can't expect them to be running. And actually, when he first starts to walk, we're going to expect them to do this and fall. And you know, we'll celebrate that. We'll say, yay! Right? But if you see a 30-year-old man doing that, something's wrong neurologically. Isn't it true? (laughs) Just a little wrong. I don't want to see you doing this at 30. I want to see you pepping your step. I want to see you being able to jump and run. Amen? but not at three months. Same thing when you come to Christ. God understands that. He does not expect for you to be doing T.D. Jake's prayers. (laughs) Just not going to happen. Your prayers are going to be, oh, God, help me. And he's saying, good job. (laughs) Right? Now after 10 years, then maybe, oh, God. uh, Yes, Lord. uh, I appreciate your presence. uh, And today we give you the glory. See, little by little, you get into that. You, you, you learn your prayer. But you know, God prefers you to just be yourself. Just be yourself. Don't imitate anybody. I remember in the 70s in Puerto Rico, we had a, a very famous evangelist, an incredible uh, hero to us in the 60s and 70s. His name was Gigi Abila. Maybe some of you might not know him, but to, to me, he was one of the heroes of our faith in, in, in my teenage years. And this man, he was powerful, man. He would go to Randall's Island, the place would pack out. Demons would come running after him with knives. People with knives would come right, and, and the ushers would try to stop him. He said, don't stop him. And he, they would come after him. As soon as they got close to this guy, they would go like this. And they would start backing off, and he'd come after them. He'd hit them with his hand and knock them down in the name of Jesus, take the knife away and get them delivered. I mean, I, I would look at him and say, whoa, my man's got some power. It also helped that he was Mr. Puerto Rico. 
So if anybody tried to mess with him, if he couldn't cast the devil out, he would give him a, a chokehold that they couldn't get out of because my man had some serious... <laughs> Wham! That's it. You're going down one way or another. <laughs> Praise God. But one of the things I noticed is a lot of the young preachers started preaching just like him. Cause he wouldn't just preach. He wouldn't teach like me. He would go up back and forth. That was his style. It was unique to him. But after a while, a couple of months later, all the young preachers are preaching just like that. They're imitating this man of God. But that's our nature. We tend to imitate people we respect and people we appreciate. But in this case, you don't have to imitate anybody. God loves you the way you are. Amen. And when you go before God, don't sound like Billy Graham. Don't sound like Gigi Abila. Don't sound like a T.D. Jakes. Sound like you. Because he knows you. If you sound like that, he's going to go, you got a problem today? Did you have too much Dunkin' Donuts? I'm going to wait I'm a, until you stop with the act. Come, with me with, come to me with your whole heart. <laughs> don't come to me with an act. Yeah, be, be honest with God, be open with God, because he forgives, um, not only does he forgive to you instantly, he forgives completely, and then he forgives repeatedly. In our lives we fail, but thank God. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24. And he, because he continues forever, he has an unchangeable priesthood. In other words, he's always our priest. It's not Jesus today and somebody else, Philip next day. No, it's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus all the time. In heaven, he's the recognized priest that forgives our sin. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. Since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest, it was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. And has become higher than the heavens who does not need daily as those high priests to be offered up sacrifices. First for his own sins, he offered up his life and then for the people's. For he did this once and for all when he offered up himself. Once and for all, that's it. Praise God. I don't need plan B because plan A works perfectly. And then the last thing, he forgives freely. Today, this afternoon, if you give me $9.99, I'll give you a bottle of holy water, and I'm telling you, I'll forgive. I'll absolve all your sins. You give me $9.99. And, and, and if you rush, uh, I'll give you two $9.99s. I'll give you two for one today. I'll give you two blessings for one. Nah, don't listen to that junk. He forgives freely. You come to him, there's enough love for you, there's enough love for me. We don't need gimmicks. We don't need tools or anything. He forgave once and for all. Ephesians 1.7 In whom we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. What is grace? It's the favor of God. It's the goodness of God. He loves you just because he loves you. What is favor? An unfair advantage. You don't deserve it, yet you still get it. Have you been, ever been in a job where promotion time and they promote somebody who really isn't competent for that position? Have you ever seen that? But he just happens to be the nephew of somebody up there? 
That's unfair. But guess what? There's an unfair love that's given just on your behalf. He loves us. Grace and favor to you. Amen. So in conclusion, Luke 23 says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. So today, say this with me. Father, I receive your forgiveness. Amen. And in Ephesians 4.32, says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So say this with me. Father, I forgive them, even as you have forgiven me. That's a revelation. And lastly, Ephesians 5.1, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ has also loved us and he has given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for sweet-smelling aroma. What can we give God that he appreciates, that goes up to his presence as a sweet-smelling aroma? Be like Jesus. Walk in love as Christ has also loved us. Walk in love because they deserve it? No, because you are now a reflection of Almighty God to a lost and dying world. Somebody needs to see the example of God here on this earth. Somebody needs to see Jesus incarnate, Jesus manifest through our examples, right? Somebody needs to see Christ. Some, some, to some people in the world, you'll be the only Christ that they see. In other words, the only representative of Christ. Wherever we go, we're Americans, right? Isn't that true? Anywhere in the world, I can show that I'm an American. But in the same way, and more importantly, you're citizens of the kingdom of God. You're ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Wherever an ambassador goes, there is an economy that goes with him or her. There is a nation that he or she represents. Who do you represent? Wherever you go, understand that you represent Christ. You represent Almighty God. You represent you and me. Wherever you go, you're representing me, and I am representing you. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Mary, go and tell your brethren that he is risen. No other religion can boast that, that the Messiah rose again for the grave. Only Jesus has power that literally overcame death, hell, and the grave. Only Jesus has the power to set us free. Only Jesus has the power to give us new life. Only Jesus has the power to give us peace, to give us love, to give us hope, to give us newness of of mind, a new vision, a new purpose, life, life forevermore. Life and life in abundance. for listening. We pray that this message fueled your faith. For more resources visit www.calvaryny.org. You are blessed and highly favored.